Um, I, I do take a lot of pleasure in getting to speak and, and um, share the word. God pours things over us um, that sometimes you just can't get away from. So the message this morning is, is kind of a simple word, but it's something I took out of a, a Bible study that I was a part of, those online studies, and I just kept reading that stuff and thinking, man, that, that'll preach. You know, and, and I mean, I see a deer, and I think, how to preach. <laughs> so there's lots of things that will, you know, where a word comes from. But the title of this message this morning is, Lord, Help Me. Anybody ever said that? <laughs> Recently? Like this morning? Like when I got ready to walk up here, Lord, help me. Um, I, I will say this, that, that um, I'll kind of reflect on it a little bit in this message, but I, I'm nervous as a cat when I get up here. So I used to say I was nervous as a cat in the dog kennel and the gates were open. So you, you, you'll have to bear with me. I try to stick to my notes because if I don't, I'll chase rabbits all over the place. So, um, and I do have a few to share. Amber tested me last night. She said, you got anything you need me to put on the deal? She's setting the, the service up. And I'm like, uh, I got a lot of scripture. <laughs> so I gave it to her. So hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll follow along. But Lord, help me. This, the strength that we possess as humans is limited. Age, condition, <laughs> fitness, all play a role in our ability to do things, right? I mean, I, I used to be able to do lots of things that I can't do anymore. You know, it, it comes with age. It comes with the fact that I don't do anything about my fitness. It comes with the fact that I don't do anything about my condition. So, but it, it, all, it all has this, this role that it plays on our ability to do things. And no matter how many self-help ideas we implement or positive statements we proclaim or how many trips to the gym we take, our strength will only take us so far. We can only do so much in, in the strength that we have within us. That may discourage some, but hopefully the truth that we're going to read today in God's Word will, will deposit some hope in us instead. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is sharing about a thorn in his flesh that continued to torment him and he actually pleaded and begged God to remove it and each time God told him the same thing my grace is all you need my power works best in weakness 2 Corinthians 12 7 through 10 it actually says so to keep me from becoming proud I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud three different times I begged the Lord to take it away from me each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Amen. That thorn in my flesh is that nervousness that I get when I come up here to speak. It's, it's just about everything I can do to stand still. I, I just... I struggle. I, I, that's why these little podiums have got to stay in front of me because it keeps me anchored. But uh, <laughs> I used to like using a, a mic with a cord on it because it's like being on a leash. I can only go so far and have to turn around. But uh, <laughs> I don't like these things because you can't get away from them. But um, think about this for a minute. God used this man to influence the early church and to take the gospel to numerous countries. And in this moment of weakness, he begs God to help him. And God basically says, nah. That doesn't really sound right, does it? I mean, he's begging God to, to, to take this, 
this issue, and in all honesty, throughout the scripture, we're never told what that issue is in him. We're never told what, what it is that really, whether it's a physical ailment, whether it's a mental ailment, who, who knows. Um, but it, in all of his time, in all of his challenges, as he's begging God, God never takes it from him. You ever felt like you've been in that place, near destruction? You cry out to God and he remains silent, or he doesn't seem like he was listening? Or, or it seems like he has simply just refused to answer your call and maybe didn't return your text? I mean, we all find ourselves in that place. I've, I've been in a few of these stories where I've cried out to God and he was silent. Or, or at least to my ear, <laughs> he was silent. But God doesn't stop there. God tells Paul that it's when he's weak that that perfect power of God is working best. Imagine that, that we need to be weak to see God's power work best. While we seek or see weakness as a barrier in our lives... God is using it to uphold us. It's in our weakness, our realization, we cannot do this on our own. It's in our brokenness, in our humble nature, that God is able to actually do what he desires and knows what is in our best interest. Our strength as humans may come to a certain level, but with God's strength boosting us up, there's nothing that we can't endure. Check out Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 through 31. It says he gives us power to the weak, strength to the powerless. <laughs> I have to wonder if maybe the writer of Isaiah wasn't from like Boston or something. Because verse 30 says, even youth will become weak and tired. And young men will fall. I actually had to look that up in a couple different places to think, surely they made a mistake there. But no, that's what it says. Even youth will, <laughs> will become weak and tired. And young men shall fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength that will soar high on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not faint. You know, some of you have heard my sermon on on the crow and the eagle. Recently, someone posted, um, I'm kind of a social butterfly, so I'm on social media all the time. And and, and someone posted this meme of an eagle with this crow pestering it. And this crow actually lands on this eagle's back. I love bald eagles. Bald eagles are like, I have bald eagle stuff all over my office. But this eagle is soaring, and here's this stinking crow sitting on his back. But the story was really interesting to me. Because, see, an eagle can fly higher than any other bird. It's been seen at 20,000 feet by jet pilots soaring. Fly higher than any bird. So what this eagle does is this crow, I mean, you know crows, they're just going to be a pester, you know? And here's this majestic bald eagle and this crow up there messing with him. So the crow lands on his back, thinking he's going to have a little fun. What's this eagle do? Just starts climbing. And before long, he reaches an elevation that the crow can no longer breathe. And passes out and falls off. The eagle just keeps going. Wow. I mean, there's a a, a whole sermon involved in that right there. That ain't even in my notes. It was for free there. So... (laughs) but we're, we're all either in a challenging season or we're going to be in one soon. I mean, if you look at 2020, <laughs> yeah, um, someone, had, someone had a post on Facebook the other day. Did anybody have two hurricanes in the Gulf Coast hitting our shores for 2020 on your, on your, on your 2020 bingo sheet? 
Now, I mean, that's never happened before, but here we go. But life can either bring it gently or it can hit like an unexpected storm. I've had a couple of those storms in my life. Anyone else? Regardless of how we enter into hard times, we'll have to learn how to walk through them. It doesn't matter how you get into hard times. You have an option. You can lay down and die, or you can fight your way through it. There's really no in-betweens. There's no gray matter here. You know, I used to tell our youth, you know, if you're walking down the Perkins Road in front of Walmart and you fall down, what should you do? Well, get up. Because <laughs> if you don't, you're going to get run over. Well, that's, that's no different here. Where we're going to face difficult times. And then we're going to have an option of how we deal with that. We're either going to have to succumb to it or we're going to have to fight our way through. Yes. I choose to fight my way through. Yes. I, I know that life is going to bring opposition. It, it has all my life. It started early. <laughs> I'm not sure why. God was working on me a long time ago. But, um, but regardless of how, we have to learn to walk through them. We have to rely on God's help because what, he possess, or what we possess on our own just isn't sufficient. We need God's strength. Now again, here's a promise that comes out of Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 through 2. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel. The one who formed you says, Don't be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. And when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Recently, I had a, um, a veteran that we've worked with in our ministry, uh, his his daughter was in a boating accident. Um, the word that I got was she had been hit by a boat prop and was being life flighted from the lake. And, I mean, you hear those types of stories, and usually they don't end well. <laughs> I mean, you're in lake water. You, you've been cut open by the boat prop, and, I mean, those, they're razor sharp. Um, we learned that she had, a, I forget the length, it was like a 27-inch uh, cut down the outside of her leg cut her all the way to the bone and I uh, about two weeks after after the incident um, you know a lot of people and I'm not going to harp on this but you know people like to, to memorize things or, or memorialize things and she put some ink on herself she put a tattoo on it well I saw the tattoo and the tattoo was a scripture I thought that's kind of I mean that's intriguing I'm always going to go look what, what's it mean? And it, it was very simple. And I, I don't remember the scripture now. Again, it's not part of my notes. <laughs> um, but the scripture was talking about how, and see, I, had her, I actually messaged her and I said, man, tell me your story. Why that ink? Why that scripture? Tell me, tell me what you're thinking. Because I, I mean, something has a story to it. And she talked about when she went under the water, she really felt that she probably was not coming out that her life was now over and she was she would sunk <laughs> and she the scripture that came to her mind was how God reached into the deep and he heard her cry and drew her out of the deep waters wow wow what a story you know but that's just exactly it that's our story God hears our cry just like he says here you know you're not going to drown when you find yourself in the deep water 
that, that you know, I'm going to reach in, I'm going to pull you out. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you're not going to be burned up. How many times have we heard this? How many times have we ran to the Lord for his help in our time of need? How many times have we deli- has he delivered us from the very jaws of the lion? Most of us can fill this room full of stories today. We can tell story after story of how God has been there for us. God has delivered us from everything, from maybe grocery money to something really big, cancer. You know, something really you know, threatening in our lives. But God's been there and he's delivered us in the midst of that. Yes. Yet, we find ourselves once again questioning God because he isn't answering our phone call or returning our texts. Samuel Johnson, an 18th century writer, said this. People need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. Yes. Mm. Hmm. That's actually a pretty powerful little phrase. People need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. See, learning new things keeps us sharp. It helps us improve ourselves. But there's so much that we already have learned that we either don't remember or just don't apply. One of those things that we need to remember is just how near God is to us. How quickly we forget how close he is. We find ourselves in trouble. And I love this phrase. Well, I tried everything else, so I called on God. (laughs) Last resort. I thought, God, you know, you're the only thing I got left. Can you help me? Well, maybe we ought to reverse that up a little bit and put him in the head of where we're at. Because we forget how close he is to us. There's never a place we can go where his presence won't be there first. He's in our yesterday. He's in our today. He's in our tomorrow. All at the same time. He's got it figured out. I keep him on his toes. but He rejoices over us. He rewards us. He blesses us. He smothers us with his forgiveness and grace every day throughout the day. There's just not a moment that we can ever get away from him. There's not a moment that, that we can ever hide that he can't find us. That his forgiveness, his love, his compassion can't find us in the midst of that. In addition to the good, there is no tragedy we'll face, no hardship we'll endure, and no adversity that we'll encounter where God is not with us, steadily holding us up with his mighty, righteous, and perfect right hand. You know, I've questioned God a lot, lots of times in my life. I've found myself in predicaments. I've found myself in issues that were very, very challenging to me. Um, I've found myself very angry with God. A lot of people don't like to say that. I was 13 years old. I watched my father die of a heart attack in front of my face on a basketball court. I was 150 miles away from home, anybody I knew. I had to call my mom on a payphone. Some lady I didn't even know took me to the hospital behind the ambulance. Then she took me to her house. It was her kids who tried CPR on my dad. It took several hours before our pastor could come and get me. I was angry. My dad was... More than just the dad. He was my friend. We fished together, man. We hunted together. I, I mean, that man played Tonka trucks with me in the dirt, you know? 
I mean, I'm 13 years old. My dad's my hero, right? How in the world? My dad was a deacon in the church. He was a man of God. He was a man of his family. How in the world could God take him from me? I was angry. I stayed angry for a very long time. That bitterness set up a root inside of me that was very difficult to dig out. <laughs> Luckily and thankfully down the road it came to that point. I can tell you today that I don't understand that moment in my life. I have no idea why that had to happen when I was 13 years old. But I can tell you that from right here this morning, I can look back down that path and I have to wonder, had that not happened, where would I be today? I'm not sure I would be here. I have no idea. See, God knows what's going on. We have to trust him. So even when we're in adversity, even when he's not answering us like we want him to, we've got to trust that he knows what's best for us. So when we're in a trial where we have our own thorn in the flesh, we can draw power by admitting that we can't do these things on our own and we're calling out to God. By implementing all of the knowledge we already have, by reminding ourselves of all the tools that we already have in the shed. I got lots of tools in my shed. <laughs> I love stuff. <laughs> Rhonda can attest, I got stuff everywhere. Some new little trinketry toy comes out, some tool, gun, whatever it might be. It's probably going to wind up in my shed or in my gun safe <laughs> because I love stuff. I got more stuff than I'll ever use. I've got more tools than I'll ever put to work. But so do you. So do you. The, the tools that you have in your shed will help you through any adversity you ever encounter. God's already put them in you. You've already learned this stuff. How many self-help books have we read? You know, how many sermons have we listened to? How many times have we said, oh, that was good stuff. I, I, that works for me. But then we forget to implement it the next time we face a challenge or a struggle. Check out James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Man, I still got a lot of time. That's awesome. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm getting there, though. I used to get in trouble. I, I would pastor be gone and I'd get to preach you know that's awesome I, you pastor get to preach the Sunday sermon you know and man the worship team they'd do their thing and it might not go as long as normal because pastor wasn't there and so then they turned it over to me and it's like 11 and I'm like huh 11 15 I'm done yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well I guess we'll beat the Baptist to Brahms this morning I don't know I, I mean I'm done early it may not happen today. <laughs> uh, James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Faith and endurance. is the, I love the headings of some of these scriptures. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That just doesn't set very good sometimes, does it? Consider it an opportunity for great joy the next time you find yourself in a challenge. For you know that when your faith is tested... Your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I'm pretty sure that ain't going to happen until we stand before him and he says, Welcome into my rest. We're not going to be complete 
until that moment we stand before the Lord. Yes. He says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. <laughs> I always hope that be tomorrow, Lord. <laughs> Testing of our faith is basically being described as a trip to the gym to work out our faith. It's building strength and stamina, endurance. Much like training for any physical event, it requires putting the effort so that on the day of the big event, that big storm that may come, you'll have what it takes not only to survive, but to win. Check out what it says when this is Joshua. Um, when, when Joshua was getting some instruction from the Lord, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. The Lord's charge to Joshua. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. Uh, yeah, I've joked about that one a lot. He's the son of Nun. Don't know who his mom is. He's just the son of Nun. Anyway, uh, forgive me. Um, Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, he says... Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River and into the land I have given them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, yes. you, will be, you, will, you will be giving... Ah, Lord, lose my notes here. Probably ought to have some glasses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. Yes. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains... In the north, from the Euphrates River in the east, and the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you nor abandon you. Now, verses 6 through 9 really caught my attention here. Because it says this, verse 6, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Verse 7, be strong and be very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Yes. Study this book of instructions continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed. I need to read that again. Maybe you ought to highlight that in your word. You know, I know it's Old Testament, but it still applies today. Yeah. You know, if we'll study his word, the instructions, what was that old phrase, the, the Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth? You know, that's pretty cool, honestly, because it is. But if we'll study that word and we'll meditate on it so that we don't leave out anything. Do you know how much is being left out today? Yes. My goodness. Yeah. That one of the things that I love to do is, is when someone posts a scripture, just like that lady did on her tattoo, I want to go look at above it and below, and below it. I want to see what was the context that was being put in. Why was it being written the way it was? Yeah. Because it, it's not just that scripture. The scripture may hold some power. But the context around it is the basis. It's the foundation for everything that we believe. Yes. Verse 9 says, This is my command. Again, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Be strong and courageous. Sometimes we don't feel like that. Sometimes it doesn't seem to fit our narrative. 
To be strong and courageous, we'd rather hide and look through the keyhole or something. So consider this. When you feel lonely and wonder where God is, know that He is about you, above you, after you, around you, among you, before you, behind you, beneath you, beside you, beyond you, by you, for you, inside you, near you, and over you. That's pretty much everywhere. I don't think I left anything out. That's about all you can get right there. He is everywhere all the time, always and forever. He is near us. When you experience fear and wonder why God won't remove it from you, know that he hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Quote that scripture. Thank you, man. About to need a towel, too. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh. We recently, uh, and, I've, and I've, some of you that hear some of the stuff I do online, um, I talked about this. There was a pastor in Kentucky who'd been given a dream, a series of dreams. And someone sent me the video, and I watched it. It scared me. That was the very first thing that hit me was fear. Why? I mean, he's talking about, he's talking about the, 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 the end times. He's talking about when God's coming back. He's, he's talking about the end of our age. He's, he's talking about when we're not going to be here anymore. And I was afraid of that. Why? You know, I got to thinking. I got grandkids. I have kids. My daughter's with me this morning. She's got two little boys. My son's got two little boys and a girl. Rhonda's got nine little ones running around. I got to thinking about those kids, thinking, Lord, I don't want them to have to go through this. I don't want them to have to deal with this. I mean, I know I struggled my whole life. I don't, I don't want them to struggle. And this is going to get ugly. I mean, as this guy describes some things, it just, this fear welled up in me. And, man, I really had to spend some time with the Lord because it's like, I know that fear doesn't belong here. And then it hit me. Why don't we turn that fear into an excitement? God's coming. You better get yourself in order. You better get your house in order. You better get yourself ready because he's coming. We don't know when, but it ain't going to be far away now. And I've heard that all my life. Could be tomorrow. Well, I didn't realize I'd be walking in a time when it could be tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't realize that. I mean, I, I've heard it all my life growing up in church. And, and, and that, that very line, and, and you know, a lot of people have like, okay, here we go again. It could be tomorrow. But you look at our society today and how far we have fallen. Yeah. Whew, it could be tomorrow. It could be this afternoon. Lost my track. I told you I'd chase a rabbit. Nothing can separate us from his love and his presence. Always and forever he is near us. When you're sick and you don't understand why God won't heal you, know that he's still the great physician, the Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Amen. You know, I've, uh, I've cried out a lot for healing different times, different things. Um... I got a knee right now that's meh, not functioning well. I got a back that don't function well. I sound 
more groans and complaints come out of me when I get up or sit down. It's ridiculous. It's beyond the snap, crackle, pop thing. It's way past that now, you know. I'm into a full-course meal, no longer just breakfast cereal, you know. So, but, and then there's times, you know, I wonder, okay, God, what? You know, how come as I eat that bag of Cheetos or spend my dinner time in Mexico Joe's or, you know? I mean, I don't really help him a whole lot, you know? So I guess I probably shouldn't complain much when it comes to my health. But he is the great physician who heals. And he has many times done things. I've I've seen it. Um, I watched that young lady right there. We were going to a youth revival. She gets out of the van and somehow manages to break her finger. I'm talking, it's going that way. It isn't, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, it's a no doubter. It's, we're, I don't even know where we were. We were, the Pentecostal Holiness campgrounds down on I-40. So we're, you know, we're outside Oklahoma City, and I'm thinking, Lord, I mean, service fiction starts. She's supposed to be on the worship team. We just prayed for her. Never skipped a beat. And her finger still isn't going that way. It's back to where it should be. I mean, I've seen God do things. I've, I've felt him do things. I mean, I, I, there, I, there's no way, I, I don't think I could ever question whether God is the one who heals. Amen. Even though there's times I've cried out and I'm not seeing the answers that I wanted. The time frame you have in mind may not match his. But rest assured, he is doing a work in you and through you. Always and forever, he is near us. There is nothing that we'll encounter that God has not already defeated. And he hadn't just defeated it, he's totally annihilated it. On our behalf, when he put Jesus on the cross to cover our past, present, and future sins. Always and forever, he's near us. When you go through devastating situations, he's with you. When your life seems to be spinning out of control, he's with you. When you can't see the path or even the next step, he's with you. Ron and I watched a movie last night, Sea Biscuit. Who calls a horse Sea Biscuit? <laughs> but we watched this movie. And then there's a segment in this movie, and I didn't realize this was going to fit in this message till this morning when I penciled it in. But in this movie, there's a segment in there where they're trying to retrain this horse's thinking. They take him out to the track at night. It's, it's pitch black, and they're using this bell to get him to start, and they, they do two or three little, you know, they work on him for a while, and then finally the trainer says, I want you to take him all the way around the track this time. And the jockey's like, what? I can't see anything. He said, yeah, but he can. Mm. How many times have we cried out, Lord, I can't take this step because I can't see it. I, I don't know where I'm going I can't see what's in front of me. He can. Yes. Yes. Take the step. There's another story that comes to mind in the midst of that where mountain climber, you know, he's doing his best. He's, he's rappelling and climbing. He's got his ropes and his safety harnesses all just where it's supposed to be. And man, the worst thing can ever happen to a climber. What's the worst thing that ever happened to a rock climber? Sure enough, he falls. And he's flying through the air and he's crying out to God. Well, he hits the end of his rope because like a good climber, 
He had tethered himself off to a safety. So now he's sitting here dangling. It's dark and getting darker all the time. He's calling out, God, you got to help me. I can't get myself loose. I can't climb back up. You got to help me. And he hears, cut the rope. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, God, I, I, I can't see what's below me. But he heard again, cut the rope. Rescuers found this climber the next morning, frozen to death, clinging tightly to a rope, two foot off the ground. God tells you to cut the rope. Cut the rope. Make sure it's him. <laughs> you know, learn to know his voice, but cut the rope. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39. I'm, I'm closing this thing quickly, I hope. Uh, verse 35 of Romans chapter 8 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No one, despite all these things, overwhelming victory, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are options everywhere that beg us to place our trust and our joy in them. Those temporary joys of pleasure hold no comparison to the eternal, never-ending presence of our Almighty God who calls us His. His presence is the prize. It's what we get for all eternity. So as we navigate the fiery trials of our life, it's an opportunity for our faith to be proven genuine, that we show we truly trust God even when we can't see Him working or even when we can't feel His presence. How appropriate the songs I picked this morning. God does some cool stuff, man. I love how He does things. You know, He just sets stuff up. He sets you up for this, even in worship this morning. You're not here by accident. It's, it, this, is, this is your appointed time. This message is for you today. Rhonda, if you want to come play a little bit, ask my lovely assistant, beautiful wife, to come and help me close this thing. First Peter. Peter writes this, verses 6 through 9, chapter 1. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith is far, is far more precious than mere gold. When your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the, way, on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious and inexpressible joy. The reward of trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Remember the words of Samuel Johnson, the 18th century writer, who said, 
people need to be reminded more than they need to be instructed. Today I remind you, trust Him. You already have what it takes to overcome. Let's pray.